Theaters welcomes you to the exciting world of the movies. Smoking is not permitted in this auditorium. It's the law. Certificates are available at the box office. Thanks for helping us keep the theater clean. As you exit the auditorium, please deposit litter in trash receptacles in the lobby. Please be considerate and don't talk during the show. And we're back on JV's Drive-In Podcast. This is Jimmy, and there's PC Paul behind me. Yeah. How the hell did I become the PC police for the show? I don't know. That's uh, very odd. It's very odd that you did the PC guy. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to us. This is our third show. Um, we want to thank... The growing listening audience that we have. Thank you, those in Hungary. Thank you, those in the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, comment. Send us comments. Yes. Check out the Facebook page. What's the uh, Facebook page, Paul? I, I don't know it off the top of my head. You set it up. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to know it? What's the What's the uh, What's the email? <laughs> well, do we have an email? Yeah, we do. We have. We have. It's JB's Driving Podcast at Gmail JB's Drive-In Podcast. There's a Facebook. There's Perhaps a, you should tell me these things. I, I should, you know, and, and give you the password for all this stuff, Maybe. too. I, I, I do check it. Um, but, hey, thank you for listening. We really appreciate yeah. it. And we're a bit, I guess I speak for the both of us, we're a bit surprised about the the, um, the audience that we have so far. And this is literally our, our third show. It's our fifth podcast episode, but it's our essentially our third show, the way that we... we uh, Break it down. Break it down, produce the show. Yeah, I, I think it's best that way. I, I like the uh, breaking it down to two weeks. I think it gives people a better chance to digest it. And I, I agree. On. I agree, and it helps us, too, because we're both busy professionals, busy parents, and just doing it. But you're the, a professional. No, you're a professional, too. I'm a professional asshole. Well... Well, we're both experts at that, okay? It's just, it's, we're seasoned veterans at being an asshole. So, anyway, last week. Last week, the Halloween show. Halloween. Did you have a chance to listen to it? Uh, no, I oh still have God, not. I, I apologize. I promised you that I was going to listen dude. to it. But then again, we were supposed to be recording tomorrow night. Yes, so we were. Things I was there. actually going to listen to it. Yes. Tomorrow yes, during we, the day, because yeah. uh, the um, the problem has been that it, it, I don't have uh, unlimited data on my phone. Oh, so the only, yeah. so and then at work I've been busy as all hell. So gen- generally I'll like listen to something while I'm working, but I've been so like up and down and in meetings and out of meetings. Yeah. I haven't had any freaking time. <laughs> meetings, yeah, they're the, they're they're the roadblock <clears throat> of productivity. Let me tell you, meetings. So I've been killing myself these last couple of weeks because I don't take vacation all year, and then I get to the end of the year and I've got weeks, weeks of, of use or lose. Yeah. I literally have four weeks of use or lose Jeez. before the end of the year. So I have to get all this work done before, before I run out of time that I can actually work. <laughs> yeah, that's good so, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it's a weird situation to be in. It's it's good stuff. Good but stuff. Um, yeah, Halloween, uh, <laughs> I will listen to it, I promise. Uh, I, I haven't gotten around to it. I don't know, you know. <laughs> it's, you know, when, when Paul and I set off to do this, this podcast, <clears throat> we knew that there would be movies that we'd be really informative on. And we knew that there was going to be movies, like the next movie that we're going to do, that we're just going to... I would obliterate, make fun of. Oh, our our next movie, not today's movie. Not today's movie. No, 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 no. Today's movie is a gem. Ghostbusters is a gem. But the next movie that we're going to do, we'll announce at the end of the the podcast, is a is a true gem. But in saying that, I had no idea. <laughs> a turd. The turd. <laughs> I had no idea that we would eviscerate Halloween like we did. I didn't. I didn't oh, know that we really did, Paul. I guess I do have to go. You back have. To I'm telling you, John Carpenter would not allow us over for Thanksgiving dinner after what we did to that. Movie. I, I love that movie too. Yes. <laughs> I, I. I know. You see, you. Really, I heard went back and let's do it twice. Yeah. And it is. 
we were fucking hilarious. We were hilarious first off. I, I have to give us the old scratch in the back there, but we tore that movie apart. Wow. Lindsay! <laughs> Try, you'll get it when you go back and listen to it. Lindsay! Uh, anyway, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, so just to, to further that along, though, uh, I did go and see the new Halloween. We're not going to do a whole review on that, obviously, but I uh, thought it was necessary to at least uh, give an opinion on it. Go right, um, yeah, the new Halloween that was just released. Last, last Friday. Last Friday, the one that is... that. Essentially, is a sequel to the 1978 version that yes, we. That it's we, a direct sequel right. to the 1978 movie. Um, I will tell you this: uh, the movie's about an hour and a half long, something like that. The first 45 minutes of the movie is boring as shit. Really? Then it's good for really? about 10 minutes, and then it just turns into a complete. It's not a horror movie after that. Like it really? is, it is, it is really boring. Really great for about ten minutes. What made that ten minutes great? It, it's 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 Michael Myers. It's like Michael Myers, like just taking people out one by one by one. I mean, and it's really like brutal and and horror movie and and everything you want out of a Michael Myers movie for about ten to fifteen minutes, and then it just. It goes from that to this weird, like, almost like a revenge-type movie that's just... It, it's definitely got that girl power feel to it, which everything seems to have this the last two years. Oh. Because it's it's essentially... It's, Speaking uh, of the devil, Ghostbusters. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, 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 Lori Strode yes. and her daughter... And her granddaughter versus Michael Myers is how they end the movie. That's how it was. That's what it came down to. And I'm not going to give you anything. I I mean, I I can tell you this. It was left open for another sequel. They did that on purpose. Well, it definitely, I mean, the Um, the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and other movie sites were excellent. And it destroyed the box office. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sure it did really well. But, But I'm not surprised that a lot of people liked it. Because it was, it was a traditional like it was very girl power. It was very like now, oh. uh, you know, twenty eighteen. But I, I, I really felt like it. Ugh, give me an animal. It just didn't do what I needed it to do. I was, I came out. I was so conflicted about this because I can see you just like literally going on your knees and like pulling out what hair you have left, being like, what did I just see? I, that, that was my, my cousin's response. What the hell was that? What did I just watch? Timmy? Yes. And he has no hair to pull out. No. And, it, and it was just, you know, he, he was thoroughly frustrated. I didn't know how, I don't know how to, I didn't know how to describe it. I couldn't tell you, I, I can tell you I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it either. There, you know, like I said, there was that ten to fifteen minutes in the middle that were excellent, like really, really, Just, really, like everything you want in a Halloween movie in like that was fifteen minutes or so. Fifteen minutes of glory. But the the beginning and the end were just like, what the hell, Jeez. dude? I mean, well, the beginning was boring, but well, the, maybe has the end was like weird. Because you're like a very critical horror connoisseur, as we established last episode oh, so yeah. maybe it's just oh i was de- i'm definitely being a little more brutal this hey, week than i was before hey and i would be the same way with my little pony i'm telling you we all we all have our genres where we're experts at you're expert at a horror and apparently it just it didn't it didn't uh it would do it for it you it just wasn't enough it just wasn't enough for you yeah Whatever. Well, that's that's it's kicking kicking butt in the box office, and there there's <laughs> definitely going to be a sequel. And I know that I've read some news stories this week about how they're looking at doing more uh, horror movies now because of the success of Halloween. Because you know how Hollywood is. Once there's something they can they, they can sink their teeth into. Um, but the, I, that the doesn't make a lot of genre. sense to me though, because it did great last year. You know, I mean, I don't know. Are you mean going back to the well on like Friday the Thirteenth yeah. and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, I um, mean, I'm not surprised. There's going to be another reboot. I'm telling you, there's going to be another reboot of Friday the Thirteenth. Well, the reboot that they did in 2009 or whatever Nobody the hell it was, it was not the best. It was okay. I, I didn't hate it. I I just didn't. 
I don't know. You know what reboot pissed me off in the past two years? What's that? Speaking of the devil, would be Ghostbusters. Oh, well, that was three years ago. That's but three years. Sorry. Sorry, I'm not the expert. It was 2015, wasn't it? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it was. Maybe you were right. Maybe it was the girl 2016. Power but movement, you know? that, was, that was a clusterfuck from the get-go. Yes, and which is a fantastic segue into the movie that we are doing tonight. Yes, yes. Which, uh, was, which was utterly unplanned because we had, due to... Our ability to get a podcast out for our first trial run, we decided we could squeeze one in, and that is Ghostbusters. Yeah, our, our we were supposed to start two weeks later. Correct. So yeah. everything's been a little off, <laughs> and that's okay. We got this one in, and we'll have the next one dialed up too. The so. next one's going to be dialed up, all right. So we'll, I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll be on top of those. Yes, we are. So anyway, yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters, uh, 1984. We are in the midst of the... See, you and I were very young in our single-digit years. Yes. Uh, So this, to me, when I think about 84 in comedy, you can't help but think about Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And and that whole group of comedians, the the Chevy Chases, the Dan Aykroyds, uh, the Steve Martins... Well, and I think that you have to go all the way back to seventy five, uh, mm-hmm. and then and then move into maybe seventy seven because essentially you had that first season of Saturday Night Live mm. that kind of kicked off like a ton of careers. Uh, I mean, all these people were around, but they weren't really famous mm-hmm. until they hit Saturday Night Live. Yeah, uh, and then you had what happened with Chevy Chase. So Chevy Chase being in there the first season, he blew up, and blew then he up. he got a big huge ego and. <sighs> Decided, I'm going to go do movies. Well, the good that was a good and a negative. You know, I mean, it was a negative because he was no longer on Saturday Night Live. It was good because then we we started that trend of Saturday Night Live uh, actors becoming movie stars and putting out hit after hit after hit after hit and working together on each other's projects. I mean, Mm -hmm. even to today, I can't say that I enjoy the movies that come out now as much, but even, but, uh, baby mama wasn't too bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's been, there's been a couple of them that have come out in the last maybe five, six years that have been pretty decent. Um, the ones where they, they tend to go bad is when it was like night at the Roxbury where they just, there wasn't much of a concept for a piece. Yeah. Or, and they made that into a movie. Anything with Adam Sandler, you just got to flush right down the toilet. You just got to flush it. I don't clean I don't, the toilet with scrubbing bubbles afterwards. I don't see the same with. I, I, I don't feel the same with Adam Sandler as you do. The Antichrist. I, I, there are definitely movies that he puts out that are stinkers. The uh, universal remote control that remote controls your universe. Yeah, but what controls my dance skills? We got the phone. Um, he has ones that I enjoy, even though I, they're childish humor. But I liked them when I was a kid. You know, the the Happy Gilmore or the Billy Madison. I liked those when I was a kid, and they kind of stick with me. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, but that's that really came out of you know you had uh, the Groundlings, you had Second City, the Second City, were, Canada, yeah, in Canada, and there was um, and there was a there was a Saturday, the Saturday Night Live of Canada, wasn't that CCTV? Well, SCTV. SC, sorry, Second S- City S- Television. Second City Television. Yeah, that came. Um, that, I believe that came after uh, Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Like I believe Saturday Night Live came out in '75, and then they decided it, because I guess they were getting tired of uh, Saturday Night Live just scalping their. Canadian comics. They're comics. Mm-hmm. So they just came out with their own television show, which ran for a couple years. I, I don't think it ran a whole long time. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you'd see... You, I, thought, oh, I always felt like Second City TV was much more of a sketch program than Saturday Night Live, even though there was sketches on Saturday Night Live. Coming soon to SCTV, Taxi Driver with Woody Allen. A special presentation on SCTV's Movie of the Week. I know what you're thinking, that, that violence really isn't my thing, you know, that, that my idea of violence is like a, like a pink shirt with purple pants, but I have to ask you something. Uh, um, are you talking to me? 
It um, wasn't as overly produced as Saturday Night Live. Right. Yeah. It was definitely more of a, you know, you you could do it in front of a crowd, whereas Saturday Night Live, to me, always felt like all the segments were produced. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, definitely, you, the only things that you got away from that with was the news. You know, you had Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin doing the news or... You know, whoever, whenever they did the news, yeah. which I always felt like the news segment was always the best until probably about, I don't know, eight years ago when they started getting into Michael Che and all those guys that were just so, so one-sided mm. with their politics that's, that well, it was difficult to enjoy the that's show. Another, that's another thing about the early 80s and late 70s you see. You don't see that. The politics might come into play, but that was not a central runner of the show. No, it was not. It definitely wasn't. Like, people could sit there, whether you were a leftist or a right or whatever, mm-hmm. it didn't really matter. You could sit down and watch Saturday Night Live and enjoy it because it was freaking funny. It was, yeah, exactly. That you was know? the important I mean, thing about Jesus this Jesus Christ, what's, what's political about I'm Gumby, damn it? I mean, <laughs> it's just, that, there's nothing there. And that, to me, is the, 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 the hallmark of this era is that Saturday Night Live was legitimately funny. Yes. Back then. It was, it was must-see TV, in my opinion. I mean, there was those two years that everybody complains about with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Brad Hall and, uh, you know, that crew that really got crucified. And they got crucified simply because you had the 1975 crew that ran till right about 1980, 1981. Mm-hmm. They were weeding out, and they were bringing in this crew that just did not get it done. Yeah. And then they were followed up with Phil Hartman, Mike Myers— and I don't know if you you obviously don't remember if you were too young, but people didn't like that crew either. They hated those guys. Dana really? Carvey, Mike Myers, all those guys, they hated them. And then, Isn't that something? then out of nowhere, like there was a switch and it just all of a sudden everybody loved them. Like yeah. John Lovitz and yeah. and that whole crew that went through the middle eighties, uh, Rob Schneider. Schneider. Like, it, it just came out of nowhere. It, yeah. just, it was a switch. Like, everybody hated it, and then one day they're like, you know what? These guys don't fucking suck that bad. <laughs> it, was like the, it was like the renaissance of, of Saturday Night Live in terms of them coming back, and then... I was thinking more along the lines of uh, Major League... And then oh. when the, with the with the the uh, yeah. yeah these guys uh, they're shitty they're shitty, they're <laughs> shitty. <laughs> So one of those, one of the uh, alumni of, of Saturday Night Live during that time, that time period was Dan Aykroyd. And it was Dan Aykroyd who wrote the script for Ghostbusters. Right? Yes. And eventually got it greenlit by Columbia Pictures. I think it was a given. So, so they, he got the picture greenlit by Aykroyd, and that's when him, Harold Ramis, and Ivan Reitman took two weeks in Aykroyd's house on Martha's Vineyard and just fleshed out the entire script. And it's funny, as Dan Aykroyd, no, no stranger to, to ghosts um, and spiritualists, as a matter of paranormal. fact. Paranormal. There, thank you very much. Yeah. Paranormal. Uh, because his, actually his family kind of had that, that background. Yeah, they they uh, his parents were definitely into the the paranormal, uh, and I think that that's why you see Dan Aykroyd being so much into uh, UFOs and aliens. Like he is over the top into that shit. Like you know, he he. he I saw him on a sci fi show one day, and I'm like, why? How the hell did they get Dan Aykroyd to do this? The next thing I find out, like he produced it, he paid for it, like the whole thing was his deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was like wow. I, I looked into it then. I'm like, holy shit, he is really into the UFO She's and and the it. ghosts and stuff like that. Well, his great grandfather Samuel Aykroyd, he was a noted psychic investigator who conducted seances. His grandfather Maurice, who was an engineer for the Bell Telephone Company, he had tried to use his high vibration crystal radio to contact the dead. And then, as you said, his, his father, Peter, created this, had this big library about paranormal shit. Yeah. So he had that, that background. And when he started writing the script for Ghostbusters, he started drawing inspiration, not just from that background, but from, from like Abbott and Costello's 
and, and Bob Hope's comedy ghost stories. And I thought that was, thought that was interesting because Aykroyd had a connection with comics of, of the past, whereas comics these days don't necessarily have the con- connection with comics of a couple decades ago. No, I, I think that there's definitely a separation between the comics today and the comics of maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. And then there, you know, there's definitely not the camaraderie that you would have seen. Now, there's, and there's always outliers, but it just seems to me like the new breed is so PC and so headstrong on the way that they believe in politics and the way they believe in this or believe in that, that mm-hmm. it, that they just can't seem to get past that, to have that camaraderie with previous generations of, of comics. Mm-hmm. And it's ruining it. It's just ruining it. Well, I mean, that's our opinion, obviously. Well, our I mean, there's right. people out there that like that shit. I just, yeah. And they hang know. out in Starbucks all day. So <laughs> I fuck them. You know? uh, I guess so. So anyway, so as they're, they're, as they're writing this script, and you know, you know a bit about this, about the original people who were supposed to play in, in the Ghostbusters film. And, um, well, I knew Belushi. I didn't know Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I had no idea he was supposed to be in it. Um, and, the grand, and that would have been early that for was, him. That was early, yeah. And then the grand, the grand uh, scale of the movie itself. The well, the scale of the, of the original concept was it was supposed to be a world where there was tons of Ghostbuster companies out there, and they were going to be just one of many, mm-hmm. um, which they obviously had to rewrite because the the cost to do the movie that he wrote was going to be astronomical. $300 million. That's what the total was, and they wanted to do it in the future as well, where they were fighting ghosts through different centuries right and then on top of that there i mean and that's kind of where this whole concept which i'm not sure if you get into it or not but the whole concept behind the ghostbusters universe was supposed to happen after because they were expecting the 2015 ghostbusters to do well and that was supposed to (laughs) yeah the experts right that was supposed to start the Ghostbusters universe and Dan Aykroyd was definitely probably sitting there going holy shit I am in the money because he pretty much owned all (laughs) of that you know so he he would have you know he he had I'm sure he had concept in his head of one successful Ghostbusters film after another where it would have been different stars and different you know different they could do different genres they were talking about a whole universe like Mm -hmm. we said last week with the monsters uh, the Universal Monsters uh, universe right right so (laughs) it just that blew up it was a pile of garbage in there. it's a proton glove it's going to maximize flexibility during hand to specter combat just give it a punch it's motion activated I, I could, there's no, there was no redeeming. I think the one, um, the one girl was kind of funny. Uh, I oh, cannot think of who, what her name. That's accolades. The one girl was kind of funny. Uh, the blonde. I can't think of her I name. I don't know. Bibsy McBoobscock. No, I don't know. I just didn't. I thought the the other two were horrible, but and and the sassy black girl. Ugh, ugh, the stereotypes. How, how stereotypical it's was fantastic. it? And you get a car! And you get a car! <laughs> uh, you didn't disclose that the vehicle was gonna be a hearse. I'm sorry, my uncle owns a funeral home, not an enterprise rent a car. Hope you checked to see there wasn't a body in the back. <laughs> uh, I don't really know. You didn't check? I mean, I was in a hurry. I, I checked to see if we had gas. That was more important. Ugh. But anyway. Thus we digress thus, back to thus uh, we do that a lot. That's the okay. original Ghostbusters. That's right. <laughs> so so apparently even like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, which as you know is the climax of the movie, was only supposed to be one of the various monsters that the Ghostbusters had had to fight. But three hundred million dollars in nineteen eighty four ain't gonna ain't gonna do it. Well, there was very few movies even making $300 million in 1984. It's weird. You go and you look to see how much <laughs> movies made. You're like, that's all? Yes. But you don't 
really think about. Like, I believe that was the same year that Return of the Jedi came out. And what did Return of the Jedi make? Like $375 million or something like yeah, that before the re-release? Yeah. Mm. I think. I'm not sure. I, mm. I, it's somewhere in that range, though. Mm. Jeez. 84. Good Lord. Yeah, it's like... Unbelievable how long ago they were. Anyway. <clears throat> so now we get to the Ghostbusters itself. Yeah. The Ghostbusters movie, the, the 1984 classic, We Are There. sequence is in this the New York library which is one of the few scenes that was actually shot in New York whereas most of them were shot in LA we'll get there later so you have the old craggly woman actress from the 80s and she's been in like lots of 80s movies I don't know her name yeah I don't but know. you've seen her before it's those character actors showed up all over the place. They were awesome, though. Um, and you'd recognize them. But, you I mean, it's the same thing like uh, the, the, the guy from Boogie Nights who actually became famous. I can't think of his name. The one from Shameless. Oh, oh, Like, he was a character actor oh, yeah. for years and years. Shoot. And then suddenly he just blew up. Oh, I want to say Bill something, but it's not. It, he's, he was in Fargo. He was in everything. Dad, damn it. Oh, it'll come to me like... Yep, it will. But I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2 tonight. <laughs> can't wait to finally play that game. It sucks being an adult. It's like, oh, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> I haven't played it yet. It sucks. All right, so... Anyway, so, so you get this old craggly woman who's in her 80s. She's collecting... I mean, in the 80s, the character actor, you said, she's collecting these books, and he makes her way down to the, li- the, the basement of the library, which is actually kind of reminded me of my law school library. But there's something creepy about it, too. There's something creepy about the basement of libraries. Yeah. There's no windows, and all you see is books, and it's just aisles and aisles of books. It's like Labyrinth without David Bowie. Well, I'm, I mean, I know you're not a huge Stephen King fan, but, like, it, the original It television show mm-hmm. had a had a really creepy uh scene in the basement of a library and then again it happened in uh in the movie version that just came out a couple years ago and i don't know if you remember a movie called uh something wicked this make way comes ray bradbury man yeah yes, brother so uh like there's his father movie. was the freaking librarian and there was a ton of scenes that took place in that library it, and it was always Always something about it that creeps you out. Yeah, it's just it's such a creepy, awesome setting. <clears throat> something I love that movie. I love that. I love the movie. I love Ray Bradbury. Anyway, yeah, I digress. So she's she's pushing the books around, and there's this one book that starts just floating. Yeah, it's about three or four books start floating from one <laughs> side, from one shelf to another behind her. She doesn't recognize doesn't? it. I did find it interesting. Because, I, I mean, I've watched this movie a million times, mm-hmm. but for some reason it just caught my eye this time that one of the books that was flying from one side to the other was uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. So I did not realize that. Yeah, you got to look real close. And you can only tell because you can see the lion. On the original pressing, mm-hmm. um, or one of the earlier pressings, they had a big picture of the lion on the front of the book. Really? Yeah. Huh. So that's the only reason I recognized it when it flew to buy. But I thought that was interesting how they how they put that in there. Just, you that know, homage, they, I'm they, sure. It had to be. It had to be. They don't do that thing just by mistake. Yeah. So as, <laughs> as the old character actress is pushing her cart and the books are flying, then all of a sudden she's walking past the Dewey Decimal card system. Remember that back in the 80s? Yeah. I don't think they do that anymore. No. God, <laughs> no. No. They do not do that. Good Lord. Ugh. I mean, it worked. It worked for years and years and years. Yeah. So... I remember, like in law school, <clears throat> there is a way that you go and look by book, look for cases and books, and it was during the waiting days of that, using the actual digest, and Ugh. even the people there teach you like this isn't going to be used in a couple more years. So, yeah, so. I remember going to the library and having to look shit up, <laughs> and you just it was just such a headache. It's it such, really such a, was. Such a, now nowadays, no, everything's on the internet. Yep. I'll tell you about this entire. St- it was actually. 
this scene because she's she's pushing the books, the the cards fly out, and you don't see it, but she runs into something, and then it's, it's obviously a ghost or something. Yeah, you can and just see uh, light in front of her. Light in front of her, she screams, and that's the last time you see of her. And then the music starts, the, the Ghostbusters thing. But this scene was legitimately creepy. It was legitimate. Yeah, I think it, it. I think you're right. I think that this is. It set the mood a little bit um, before you were turned it into a full-on comedy Full, in yeah. the very next scene. In the, yeah, in the very, very next scene. So you have the title sequence with Ghostbusters, which was originally st- which was originally supposed to be called the Ghost Smashers. Yeah, I had no idea about that. No idea about that either. That's a horrible name, it's too. Stupid. Why would you want to call uh, the Ghost Smashers? I mean, if they ran around with, like, big hammers and... Like the ones at Renaissance Festival? <laughs> you used to, like, hit the, the bell up? No, I was thinking more along the lines Four of, time. like, right out of the cartoons, the, <laughs> the, the big hammers. wooden yeah. hammers. <laughs> and you smash them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I could see that, that ghost smash. That could smashers. work. Well, due to some copyright or something issues that they had to use Ghostbusters, which, in my opinion... Yeah, that much def- definitely worked better. And because of that song, uh, yeah, I think... Ghost Smashers would probably not work as well Ghost as Ghostbusters did. But anyway, go ahead. So what we see now is is a, a door where there's this, this sign, Venkman burning hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, right away, even before you've met the character, you know he's a piece of garbage. Like that, us. That, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great scene, too. Oh, I love this scene. Uh, so he's it. So so Bill Murray, who is a legend, this is just absolutely fantastic, is conducting this this psychic test with these awesome eighties equipment that consists of a buzzer. Yep. Square. Good guess, but wrong. <laughs> Clear your head. All right? Tell me what you think it is. Is it a star? It is a star. <laughs> Very good. That's great. Okay. All right. Think hard. What is it? Circle. Close. Spot definitely wrong. Okay. <laughs> you have he's got he's conducting this test where he's taking up cards and letting his two test subjects guess what the cards what design is on the cards. One is a, a very attractive blonde girl for the eighties. Yeah, I can't remember who she is. She's somebody. She's definitely somebody I've she, seen a million times. And you got somebody with the eighties white dude fro who you recognize from the 80s as well. Yeah, I Another mean, th- that's, the, that's the weird thing. Like, this movie is jam-packed full of people that you've seen a million times but have no idea what the hell their names are. And you don't care to either. It's not like you're going to seek them out. Right, right. But that yeah. guy, the guy himself, I know he was He's, in um, He was in a bunch of television shows. Like, he'd always have, like, a bit role on different television shows in the 80s. And I think he did... He might even have... Was he the last Starfighter? Ooh. I had to go look at that. I yeah, know. I don't know, but he definitely looks just like the last Starfighter mm. if it's not the last Starfighter. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it. I should have looked it up, but I didn't. I <laughs> I kind of got lazy this week. I just... Nah, shit happens. You know? Shit, I, shit happens. We got, right. We're all busy. So so anyway, he's, he's administering this test where if you... If, and he's going back and forth, whereas if you get the test wrong, you get a nice little shock. Right. Little Jimmy. But if you get it right, you're, you just don't get shocked. Right. 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 So he's going back and forth and asking the girl, well, what the question is. And she's getting it wrong, like just straight wrong, but he doesn't administer the shock. Meanwhile, white dude fro, he gets it wrong. <laughs> he's... Bill Murray's expression where he's almost taking joy and 
yeah. administering the shock. <laughs> and the thing is, he's every guy in this scene. That's why you love him, because every guy who's trying to get on with a girl would do the same exact thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous blonde, so he's playing it up for her. <laughs> he's smiling at her. <laughs> uh. <laughs> then the guy eventually gets it right with the squiggly lines. Yeah. Nervous? Yes. I don't like this. You only have 75 more to go, okay? What's this one? It's, it's, it's a couple of wavy lines. Sorry, this isn't your lucky day. I know. Um, that's the payoff. <laughs> he gets it right, and then Bill Murray still gives him the goddamn shot. Bill Murray shock. looks... Bill looks over and is like, Matt. Nope. They could have done that scene yeah. for another 20 minutes, they and could. I would have loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, my, my, uh, the fact that if you paid attention to what's going on, the fact that they had 80 questions <laughs> and they were only getting paid five bucks to do the science experiment. Five bucks to do the science experiment. <laughs> and eventually, ridiculous. White Dude Fro gets upset. I'm a little tired of this. You volunteered, didn't you? We're paying you, aren't we? Yeah, but I didn't know you were going to be giving me electric shocks. What are you trying to prove here anyway? I'm studying the effect of negative reinforcement on ESP ability. The effect? I'll tell you what the effect is. It's pissing me off. Well, then maybe my theory is correct. You can keep the five bucks I've had. I will, mister. And of course, Murray goes over and starts laying on the magic because he's a lady. He's a ladies' man in this. In this. Uh, in, in this, this movie. In this movie. Yeah. And that's when uh, Ackroyd busts in with his... Notice the hairlines of all these guys, too. They're supposed to be younger guys. Oh, receding hairlines? All of them have receding yeah. hairlines. All of but them. But Bill Murray always had he, Yeah, he's born with a, he, he was born with a receding hairline. So does his brothers. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think any of his brothers have a full head of hair either. Yeah, it's genetic, right? But I just thought it was, they all have the 80, early 80s dude, you know, just hair. Where they didn't comb it or style it. They didn't run into any Aquanet yet. So Stance call oh, sorry, Ray Stance at Dana Ackroyd's character comes in talking about this psychic kinetic energy meter readings. Right. And there's something that's going over um, at the the library that we just saw in the the prologue of the movie, correct? Right. So they all so Peter Ray and then their partner Egon, who is played by Harold Ramis, go to the same library where the '80s character actress was just you know, scared out of her granny panties. Right. And then Vagman comes in. Um, <laughs> it's the library. <laughs> the librarian's laid up. Remember they're like, yeah, they, they have her laid on have, the table. They have her like, cause she's, she's all stressed out. I'm going to ask you a couple of standard questions, okay? Have you or any member of your family ever been diagnosed schizophrenic, mentally incompetent? My uncle thought he was Saint Jerome. I'd call that a big yes. Uh, are you habitually using drugs, stimulants, alcohol? No. Just asking. Are you, Alice, menstruating right now? What has that got to do with it? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. It's one of those throwaway lines, and they are... This movie is jam-packed full, full of throwaway lines, but when I was a kid and you'd watch this movie, like my cousins were all running around, and these were the lines that they were saying. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Back off, man. There's... Was one of them, even though it's a throwaway line in the movie. But it's it's such it's such a fantastic, I mean, just movie filled with these one liners that you just throw away. Yeah. But they they they're funny as hell. I mean, as you as we go, they're they're just funny as hell. So eventually, they make their way down the basement, uh, and again, the, the 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 music is in the background. Um, they've got their instruments as well, which is just, just old ass eighties Ghostbusters instrument where that one where they hold and the two wings pop out yeah. with the lights in there. That that apparently has been reused like a million times for other things. <laughs> yeah. Ghost adventures, like they actually think it works on some of these reality ghost hunting shows. No, no, no. I mean like 
in other move, there's other movies that have used that same device. Really? Yeah, I cannot remember what the hell they are now, but I remember watching the other movie and them talking about how it was the the PKE reader from Ghostbusters. Jeez. I was like, oh shit, that's funny. Jeez. I, I yeah. wish I could remember what the hell it is now. So they're going through the, the different stacks, and that's when they come across the big books, this big stack of books. Look. This is hot, Ray. Symmetrical book stacking, just like the Philadelphia mass turbulence of 1947. You're right. No human being would stack books like this. Listen. You smell something? And then, then they go investigate more. And that's when they find all the, 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 ecle- the, the classic scene, all the ectoplasm over the Dewey Decimal System rack where all the things came out of. And, and uh, Murray's character has to uh, get it in the jar. That's snot. Yeah. And, and then, I, I mean, I'm not sure if you remember, but that when that movie came out, like right after that was when you started seeing the slime all over the place. Yeah. And it got big on Nickelodeon. Now, the Nickelodeon slime that they use on the TV shows was not really slime. But the stuff that you bought from the store, the Nickelodeon slime from the store, or the other stuff, was slime. Now, the, the slime that they use in this movie was clear, but all the slime that you bought used to be like that fluorescent green yeah. shit. Yep. But it was got real, real popular right around this time. You're right, it did. You're and right then it went away and it, it came away. back and went away and came back. But yeah, this is the first time I really remember it. Yep, and you're right, sir. You're right. So as they're going around, they eventually run into the first ghost of the movie who ends up looking like Martha Washington. Yeah, a little like, bit. And to me, this is like the, the legitimate scary ghost of the movie. I think it is the only the only time that the movie gets creepy or scary yeah. is in that basement. It's, it's it. It's Again, it's the, the setting, the music. Seeing, I mean, that was legitimately scary as a little kid, even though it turned into a comedy. And so the three of them, they're there looking, what the hell are we going to supposed to do? So what do we do? Could you come over here and talk to me for a second, please? Could you just come over here for a second, please? Right over here. Come here, Francine. Come here. What do we do? contact. One of us should actually try to speak to it. Good idea. Yes, they volunteer Venkman to go up and talk to her. That's when he says, Hello. I'm Peter. Where are you from? Originally. <laughs> like, again, another one of those throwaway lines you don't really think about. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's classic then. She looks over and goes, shh. Isn't that right? Like she goes, look yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes back like, what the hell are we supposed to do? Because she's, she's a librarian. <laughs> so, of course, you're not allowed to talk in the library. Mm-hmm. And that's when, what's your plan? Okay. The usual stuff isn't working. Okay. I have a plan. I know exactly what to do. Exactly as I say. Get ready. Ready? Get her! <laughs> and that's when she looks over and like turns into like a gigantic fraggle. And again, that that part legitimately scared you. Yeah, as a kid, sure. As a scared. And this was actually when um when the movie was released, they were doing test subjects on the movie. Ivan Reitman was just terrified, thinking this movie's not gonna work. This movie's not gonna work. So when he had a test subject movie, the only scene that he had ready to be shown was actually this scene right here. Oh, okay. And he hung around the movie theater to see how it would go, again, terrified. And then when he realized that when the audience were laughing with one scene and the next scene they're all hiding their eyes, he knew he had a hit on his hands. Right. So this actually provided him. And then, of course, he saw the Ghostbusters merchandise on the streets, and the rest was history. So after this ghost, uh, where they, run, they end up running away, they don't even do anything with the ghosts. They just 
haul ass out of there. They were talking. Eventually, as they made their way back to the lab, they run into, I guess, the, the director of the university or something like that, of the, the department, who essentially said, you guys are getting kicked out of campus and your, government, your university funding is being pulled? Yes. Is that, is that correct? Pretty much, yeah. And uh, that's, that's when they have this conversation about what's their next step. And it's like, well, we're going to go out on our own. Freaking hilarious. So they end up making their way down to the bank where they put a third mortgage out on his parents' farm. Yeah, yeah. That, that. You're never going to regret this, Ray. My parents left me that house. I was born there. You're not going to lose the house. Everybody has three mortgages nowadays. But at 19%, you didn't even bargain with the guy. Ray, for your information, the interest rate alone for the first five years comes to $95,000. Will you guys relax? We are on the threshold of establishing the indispensable defense science of the next decade. Professional paranormal investigations and eliminations. It's a weird throwaway, but like, yeah, everyone's taking away a third, taking out a third mortgage nowadays. <laughs> yeah, <it's a> third <laughs> mortgage. And they're talking about the interest rate, 19%. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would, that would have been pretty legitimate interest rate at the time. Yeah. I mean, you know. Maybe a little high. I think that was probably closer to, you know, 14 or 15% at that point. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, 19. So they, they had to be high. So that'd be definitely 19%. So then they end up going to this old ass fire, firehouse, which is just in, in bad shape. Spider right. web, just run down. Uh, and, and you see Ackroyd and Ramus character. Egon and Vegman trying to negotiate with the realtor. It's a little pricey for a unique fixer-upper opportunity, that's all. What do you think, Egon? I think this building should be condemned. There's serious metal fatigue in all the load-bearing members. The wiring is substandard. It's completely inadequate for our power needs. And the neighborhood is like a demilitarized zone. He was also a character actress. Saying it's a dump. So they're just going through all this rigmarole about how it's a dump, it's in a bad place, safety right. hazards and all that. And then, of course, Stance, Ackroyd's character, comes down the fire pole saying how he loves the place. This, this is great. This is, this is, this is fantastic. <laughs> He's like, we can sleep here tonight. Yeah. And so much for the negotiation. And, that, and, and then we shift over um, where we see the outside of, the, of, of Dana and Lewis's apartment complex dana uh being dana barrett played by sigourna weaver <laughs> yeah and lewis tolly played by rick moranis and he was a second city speaking of second city the character rick moranis was originally cast for john candy i would have never guessed yeah. that uh and john candy they i don't were, think it would have worked they, well what john candy it would have worked but john candy apparently wanted to be a um, a German in the movie. He said we should oh, change his okay. role to a German with two German shepherds and all that. And that's when Ackroyd was like, meh, we'll get Moranis. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see where, what he was talking about with, you know, because he, he played the, he liked to play Polish characters and German characters mm-hmm. a lot. Um. But yeah, that would not have worked at all. Yeah, and he wanted his he wanted Lewis's part to be more prominent in the movie as well. Oh, that's a, that's that was a would have been a mistake. Yeah, I think he was just about as much as he needed to be. Yeah, so you see, you see Sigourney Weaver's character just looks phenomenal, even with the leg. Yeah, I, I think it's the you know I hate to be this objective about it, but it might be the best Sigourney Weaver ever looks in a movie. Well, I would say this. Well, I know you like gorillas in the mist. <laughs> Galaxy Quest. She looks. Yeah, she looks good in Galaxy uh, Quest. She's a little older then. That but doesn't matter. Doesn't nah, matter. Oh, my God. Very attractive in that movie as she's, well. What, she's 34 here, 35? She's 34, 35 here. So that means Galaxy Quest. She would have been, yeah, man, she looked good in Galaxy. Anyway, but I did. Generally, she didn't play the sexy roles. She usually played the tough girl or, uh, you know, like working girl. She was the boss lady. I mean, mm-hmm. she 
always kind of played that role where her looks have been starting to go, except for Ghostbusters and, like you said, Galaxy Quest. Those Galaxy might be the two. I don't really remember any other roles where she's like like not the not the, rough, the sexy one. Yeah, no, she's got a strong jaw, but she's hot. Anyway, so she's making her way out with groceries. And that's when she runs into Lewis, played by Rick Moranis. Yeah, that she's trying to avoid because obviously he likes her and she, it's a typical, Mm -hmm. you know, dynamic. But so he's out in the hallway. He's like, he's apparently standing by the the door the entire time waiting for her to come. He must smell her perfume or something or just scent. I think he hears the elevator elevator. and every time the (laughs) elevator, they don't show it, but I guarantee you every time the elevator opens or closes, he runs outside to see who it is. (laughs) What a perfect... And because of the way they shoot it, it makes it look like there's only the two of them on that floor (laughs) as well. Even though I'm sure there's other apartments on that floor, it looks like it's those two and that's it. Yeah, it's New York City. It's prime real estate. Right. Like where they're at, and you're talking about several thousand dollars worth rent. So anyway, he he goes out in his awesome '80s jumpsuit and invites her to a party that night with her you know, with his clients or something. Well, that was a, it's a party in a couple days. Party, I'm sorry, yeah, party in a it's couple. Party days. on Thursday. Party on th- I'm sorry, party on Thursday. You're yeah. right, all. Um, and he said, "What he say to her?" I taped 20 minute workout on my machine and played it back at high speed, so it only took 10 minutes. I got a great workout. <laughs> <laughs> It's just he's he's the he's the typical nerd character is really what he is, and he's so good at it though. He's <laughs> so good at just slam dunk. So so she, so Sigourney Weaver's character is like, I'll you know I can't make it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, okay, bye bye. And she goes in her apartment. And he he tries to get back in his apartment, but the door's locked. The door closes and locks on him, which is uh, just the reoccurring joke that that. That's his main joke in the whole movie. I love that. I love every time he, he walks out of his apartment, the door locks him out. <laughs> it's all the time. He's just totally fucking with him the whole time. <laughs> it was great. So Sigourney Weaver character walks into her apartment where uh, just so happens a Ghostbusters commercial is playing. Because Ghostbusters commercial would be playing on TV. And they're what? We're ready to believe you. Classic line there. This is actually a pretty prominent scene where she goes in their kitchen, puts her groceries down, puts the eggs on the on the uh, counter, and it begins to sizzle. Yeah, it's it's a great scene. It's it's, it's again, it's a creepy scene. It, it's a creepy scene, and of course they start. And it's the intro scene to the Stave Puffed Marshmallow Man, technically. Oh yeah, because she has the marshmallow. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. there's the marshmallow bag sitting there right next to the. Uh, carton of eggs that's right <coughs> that's right but um yeah that that whole scene's pretty cool like you know having the the gimmick with the eggs you know uh, uh cooking in the shells and popping out like that and then her going into the fridge and seeing I mean, all that was was really a cool scene. But once again, it's it's the up and down of this movie. Like yeah. you know, scary, funny, funny. scary, it's, funny, it's, scary, funny. They they have a really good blend of you know because this is really pointed towards kids. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like young teenage kids, mm-hmm. and um, you know, parents. They they put enough you know. Older humor in it to keep parents entertained, Which but this do. was definitely aimed towards like eight to thirteen, you know, range. Yeah. So you know they they do a really good job of making it scary for an eight year old. <laughs> well, I like the idea. Mickey even pulled uh, pointed this out as as she's opened the refrigerator, you see like the sweet gherkins and the mustard, and then. There's the Temple of Zul, so, yeah. <laughs> so they've been staring at the condiments until she opened the fridge. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So she freaks out and runs away. What the hell is a gherkin? 
Sweet gherkin. You know what a sweet gherkin is? No, I don't. It's one of them. It's a pickle. It's smaller. Uh, and it's sweet. I mean, oh, you know, okay. It's sweet I've never, no, I've hey, never buddy, heard of that. Sweet gherkin, man. Okay, sorry. You, you introduced me to something when we were kids. I had no idea what it was. I can't remember what it was. Did you put Jews. Jews? Yes. That's right, you did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, uh, we go back to the firehouse, which, as you said, looks a lot better at this point. Yes. Where Venkman's walking in and asks their new uh, secretary, you know, um, any calls, and she's like, no calls, and he's like, I'll be in my office. Right. Proceeds to go, go back in the room. And just sits down. <laughs> right. At a, at a desk <laughs> at a, behind her. At a desk behind her. <clears throat> and then uh, Janine Melnitz, who was played by, um, oh, crap, what the hell is her name? I forgot. Annie Potts. <laughs> Annie Potts. <Whoa. laughs> who was, uh, she was kind of famous at the time because of designing women. Like That's right. That was her big role was designing women. She had done a couple other movies and... Stuff like that, but that was really what her claim to fame was at mid to eighties. Yeah, mm. Mm. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. But then Egon pops out. Egon pops out from underneath the desk. Yeah, he was under the desk the whole time. Yeah, what does he say? He says, "Well, she's hitting on him, and and uh, you know she's trying to get him. You know, what do you like to do for fun?" And he's like, I collect spores, molds, and funguses. <laughs> Just like that. And it's ironic because this was supposed to lead to a romance between the two, but those scenes eventually got cut. And it's not a surprise either, especially since you get to the second movie and they pushed her romance on to the Rick Moranis character, um, Lewis, mm-hmm. in the second movie, which I thought was a much better pairing than her and Egon. Yeah, I agree. But I yeah, agree. there was definitely there was some cut scenes. There's a there's a scene later towards the end of the movie, right before they're going to the apartment building to fight Zul mm-hmm. um, or Gozer. I'm sorry, and uh, there was like a back and forth between her and Egon right before he gets into the car. That scene got cut from the movie, and it it really didn't need to be there. I don't think that romance was. Very good. It was fine to have like that sexual tension, but it, then it would have it would have fizzled the movie. They didn't need that, right? So, so Egon gets up, and that's when hot ass Sigourney Weaver arrives. Yeah, and and like I said, I think her hottest scene is Ooh. later in the well, movie we'll when she's. Yeah. But but she's definitely good looking Ooh, in this movie. Yeah, she's good looking in this movie. Anyway, um, so she arrives, and I, I do want to point out. She just saw a demon in her fridge. Yes. And she still looks fabulous. I mean, that just speaks to her awesomeness and attractiveness. Uh, she had uh, makeup people. Makeup people. I'm yes. sorry. Makeup people. Yeah, yeah. Just... They, they did her makeup for her. Okay. Anyway. Before she came on and filmed the scene. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, to keep it realistic, shouldn't she look all frazzled? I mean, she just saw freaking a mustard thief in her refrigerator. So, so um, Peter Ray and Egon, all investigator, they put her like with these things in her head, those stick them things on her head. Yeah, it, basically, when you look at that, because didn't they? Um, well, they did the stick with her, and then later on, when it's Lewis, they use the colander. <laughs> to th- <laughs> they use the full on colander. <laughs> they use the goddamn metal colander <laughs> with little things stuck to it. <laughs> this is so dumb, but it's great. It's so great. It's so great. So they're talking to her. It's like she's telling the truth about what happened. And this is the what, the first reference to Tobin's spirit guide. Yeah, yeah. It, that's more important if you're into the game and stuff like that. Um, but the Tobin spirit guide, I believe it's actually a real thing. It is. I'm, I'm, it is. You know, but that's the first time that they make a reference to it in that scene. Into the game. What do you mean of the game? The Ghostbusters game. Like, it's a big deal in the Ghostbusters oh, it game. Is? Yeah, and apparently in the cartoon, too. They talked about it a lot in the cartoon. The cartoon was huge. Yeah, I, I never really got into it as much. The cartoon um, was massive. But the Tobin Spear guys. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I just, it was much bigger in the game. But they make the reference to it there, and they make a couple reference to it in the second movie. Um, I don't remember the remake at all. I've, I've 
pretty much wiped that out of my mind other than, you know, a couple small scenes, which I, yeah, they just linger. Yeah. It, like a bad and scare fart. me yeah. at night. I understand. So, Venkman volunteers to go to check out the apartment. He walks in, uh, plays the piano. <laughs> he, like, lifts up the thing of piano and just, like, flicks two of the keys. Like, the two keys at the the high-pitched key. I hate this. I like to torture him. That's right, boys. I like the fact that the instrument that he brought was like something you'd see with an exterminator. You know, yeah, that goes it, yeah, dude. Like <laughs> all it could possibly do is puff air. Puff air. <laughs> Good. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. <laughs> it's like sitting there squeezing it, and it's puffing air it's puffing. out of a straw. That's essentially what it is. What the fuck is that thing supposed to do? <laughs> but he pauses first, thinking, like, what am I doing? He doesn't even click as he is. Well, the best part is, is that he's the one that doesn't believe in any of their shit whatsoever. <laughs> and at this point, I mean, they've seen the ghost, but he really still is just all nonchalant about the whole goddamn thing. He's so nonchalant. To stay right, he's still nonchalant. Then, then uh, he goes around the apartment, looks in her bedroom. Bedroom, but nothing ever happened in there. What a crime! And she's like, "What's that?" She's like, "That's the bedroom. Nothing ever happens there." And he's like, "What a crime!" <laughs> <laughs> and she's so awesome in this movie. Yes. Dad damn it, he's so awesome in this movie. I think it's great that Aykroyd gave him all the lines, yeah. too. That's Yeah. Because he's definitely the centerpiece of the movie, mm-hmm. more than Aykroyd is by by long stretch. So they make their way to the fridge, I mean, the, the uh, kitchen. He looks at the fried eggs. are still, like, everything is still there on, in the kitchen. Everything is still laid out, just like she left it. She apparently forgot everything but her makeup when she ran out of the apartment. Yeah. And uh, so he examines the fried eggs, the stave puff marshmallows, and then opens the fridge where you see like the classic '80s like cornware, cornware. Yes, oh, I, Jesus. I saw and a, the the one Coke can, the one Coke can, and yeah. the you know it, it it was just this was the scene that we put in there for merchandising. That's, this is the full <laughs> full on merchandising. You get the Heinz ketchup. Yep. You got the Coke in there. Yep. All of the s- labels are proudly exposed. Matt Olive's sweet gherkins in there. Just, oh, yeah. Jesus they're Christ. All, they're you all... and your fucking sweet gherkins. <laughs> so, so after the only thing I know about gherkins was jerking my gherkin. Jerking my gherkin. See, you do. You are familiar with the sweet gherkins, then. I, I didn't think that that was actually. I thought that jerking meant jerking off. No. <laughs> I don't know what the hell ah. I have to do with anything. <laughs> Okay. Um, so the, so Vankman realizes in his mind this is all full of shit, so he starts, you know, saying inappropriate things to her, which is fantastic, but would never get away with these days. No. She'd, he'd have sexual harassment charges against his, her. His ass, they'd carry him away and, like, there's like a, apparently there's like a hotline you can call now. Uh, it's not a hurt. surprise. Yeah. So eventually he gets thrown out of her apartment by her because she realizes he's just trying to come in, come on to her. And that's when Lewis. Lewis comes into the hallway. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis, <laughs> Lewis runs out. And he sees him and then he runs right. He goes to go right back in and his fucking door locks on him again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He tries, so, like, so he's walking by. He's just trying to be nonchalant about, but he just can't get back in. <laughs> As, I love that joke. Jesus. I don't know why it's so dumb, but, but I love that joke. But it's so good. It's so good. It's just such a small little thing that the yeah. apartment building would be fucking with him. <laughs> so that next thing we go, we go back to um, the firehouse where you see Peter Ray and Egon all eating Chinese food. Yeah. Um, but there's a shot of the exterior before they go inside, right? Yeah, it's like a zoom in, you know, they typical. Mm-hmm. And this was actually this scene was actually shot in New York, uh, at 
fire station hook and ladder number eight in Tribeca. And apparently they tried to like to shut it down recently, but they saved it and it's still there. And there's a Ghostbuster sign that still hangs there. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then uh the but the interior shot, when we go back in there eating Chinese, this is all shot in Los Angeles. Well, that's normal. Yeah, interior shots can be shot anywhere. Yeah. Wherever's cheaper. Wherever's cheaper. In this case, since everybody's over in Hollywood, why the hell not, right? I, I guess so. So they're talking about what they're going to be doing next, and this is this eventually comes out. This is the last of their cash of eating the Chinese food, correct? Yeah, he's like, I need to take some petty cash petty to cash. take out Dana <laughs> since she's our only client. <laughs> and they're like, well, this is the end of the petty cash. <laughs> he needs to take out Dana. He doesn't use the funds to take out. Yeah, <laughs> because that's... <laughs> Because <laughs> that's all he gives a shit about anyway. <laughs> he's getting laid. It's he's just ridiculous. Guy. He's every guy in this movie. These two more schmucks are trying to fight ghosts. He's just trying to get laid. So, so apparently they just get a call out of nowhere when Janine's just like, is she sleeping at the desk or something? Uh, she, I think she was getting ready to leave. Oh, getting ready to leave. Okay, getting ready to leave. And the phone rang, so she answered it, and she's like, uh-huh, yeah, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh. And then hits the alarm on the wall. The alarm goes off, and she yells, we got one! We got one! And this is the first shot of Ecto-1. Yeah. Um, and it's fully restored. Now, something about production. Well, they had Ecto-1 earlier, mm-hmm. but it was beat up. And he's like, well, it needs a new uh, new transmission. It needs this. It needs that. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But Now, as far as production goes, normally when you have vehicles, you usually get three of them. But since this production was rushed of it, they only had time to get one. And it okay. was a 25-year-old jalopy, and they fixed it up, and they nursed it. But they had no idea that it was if it was going to make it to the movie or not. Um, there's not that many scenes of him driving, though. No. That towards the end, there's the big long scene of them driving to the apartment building. But to be honest with you, that could be right around the corner the way it's filmed. Right. So. Right. Yeah. But it, it made it through the movie and it broke down after uh, driving across uh, Manhattan Bridge, which is good for them. Lucky them. So, so the ghost call. Well, that was that one scene towards the end with Winston Mm -hmm. when they're coming back. Mm -hmm. That's where it broke down. Yeah. That's where it was ended. They couldn't use in the second movie. So they got lucky with that. So they had the call. They got all their uh, Ghostbusters equipment on and they make their way over to the, the Sedgwick hotel. This is a, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. And we're going to leave it right there with the boys getting ready to go over to the Sedgwick hotel and take on Slimer. So, we appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh, we really mean it when we say thank you. Um, and if you like what we have to say, if you enjoy our show, please share us. Please share us on Facebook at JB's Driving Podcast. Please share us on SoundCloud at JB's Driving Podcast. Please share us on Stitcher at JB's Driving Podcast. And please share us on iTunes at JB's Driving Podcast. If you have any show ideas, any movies you want to hear us uh, go over, you can shoot them over at JB's driving at gmail.com. Anyway, uh, hope you have a wonderful Halloween week. Don't let the ghost scare you too bad. I know that sounds tacky. But do go out and have good fun. Halloween's a good time here in America. Until next week, for PC Paul, this is JB. Have a great week.